Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. On a day where the first step to fighting back against the online trolls is taken, police have arrested a man over threats made against Dylan Grimes and his family online. Hello and welcome. Good to have your company here on Time On. Coming up this hour, a bit to get through. In just a moment, we're going to start the show tonight by talking about the revamped VFL slash NEFL for 2021. What does it look like? Who's involved? And we'll talk to one of the main players in it as well. We'll also talk Jeff Horn and Tim Zhu. Ben Damon from Main Event will join us later on this hour. It's Tuesday night's edition of Time On. After six o'clock, it is Tuesday, the 25th of August. My name's Jack Heverin. It's a great day to be alive. Looking forward to being with you across the hour. And you can be with me. You know the number, one 736 736 on the phone and 0433 98 11 16 on the text. I am very, very excited for Australian boxing tomorrow night. Jeff Horn, Tim Zhu. We'll talk about it later on in the hour with Ben Damon. They had the weigh-in today. Jeff Horn just turned up late. Just rolled up whenever he felt like it. Tim Zhu's got this really steely glare on his face too that reminds you a lot of his dad. He's set for tomorrow night. It's going to be a fascinating fight. I really, really am looking forward to it. We'll discuss that later on in the hour. News from today. I mentioned this off the top of the show. This is the first step in fighting the fight against online trolls. Some say that it's a fight that you can't win. Well, the uh, Victorian police certainly don't think that because they have made an arrest over threats made against Dylan Grimes and his family online. More about that story to emerge across the hour for you. We'll have it here across the night here on uh, Time On and SEN as well. But you've got to start somewhere, and this is the first step. So well done, Victoria Police, and to everyone involved. Other news from across the day. Max Gorn set to return for the game against St Kilda this weekend for the Demons, as good as Braden Pruce has been. They need their number one man back. Sam Powell Pepper at the tribunal as we speak. Luke Dalhouse to go later on tonight as well for their various instances from the weekend. Brett Brown acts as coach of the Philadelphia 76ers today. Um, I must admit I was shocked. I know there'd been a lot of discussion around it, but to pull the trigger is another thing. I was surprised. 
We'll talk more about that later on the hour as well. Anthony Seabold, while we're on the, the subject of coaches, Anthony Seabold's coached his last game at the Brisbane Broncos. And I think, thank goodness for him and uh, for his family and others, uh, that that is now over. Got two years into a five-year deal. You could mount an argument that he was basically run out of town, but it wasn't healthy for the club. It wasn't healthy for him and it wasn't healthy for the playing group. So they had to make a move. And they have. Los Angeles Lakers win today, 135 to 115 over Portland on Kobe Bryant Day. And LeBron James led the way superbly for the Lakers, who I reckon might have proved a few critics wrong. And in Super Netball, match going on at the moment, West Coast Fever leading Collingwood Magpies 39 to 30 in a game to come later on tonight as well. Ah, and also news just coming through. Uh, and we'll flesh some more details about this throughout the hour. Usain Bolt has contracted coronavirus. He's been in the news for being at a party and holding a party. We'll get more on this across the hour as well. As I mentioned, you can join me on the Harcourt's open line at any stage, one 736 736 or 433 Harcourt's open line for all things real estate. You only need to do one thing, and that is speak to Harcourt's. Let's start with one of the biggest stories in footy from across the last 24 hours and a story that may have caught a few unawares, but things are on the move as far as state league footy goes in 2021. The VFL and the NEFL to become one. AFL clubs in Victoria, Queensland and New South Wales are going to be given three options for next year. This is the AFL clubs. They can field their own team. They can strike up an alignment or they can spread their players across multiple clubs. All nine clubs from the NEFL uh, will be invited to join the VFL and some sources are already indicating that the AFL do not expect all of them to take up the offer. We thought it was a good opportunity to touch base with one of the biggest and the strongest clubs in Queensland, a powerhouse in the NEFL, uh, and that is the Southport Sharks. Jared Fields is a football manager and he joins us off the top tonight on Time On. Jared, welcome. Thanks for being with me. No worries, Jack. How are you, mate? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for your time, mate. Um, things look like they're going to look pretty different next year. Yeah, we're uh, we're in a bit of limbo. Obviously, the AFL announced yesterday that the uh, the NEFL and the VFL are going to merge. So we're uh, we're looking at all options at the moment, but uh, nothing in concrete as yet. How far in advance has have you seen this coming, or or had you seen? And not seen this coming at all. I know Canberra has spoken about the fact that they were caught by surprise. Did you know something like this was on its way? Oh, well, there's been talk sort of throughout the year. Obviously, um, we didn't get to start the season due to the COVID. Uh, then they came out and a couple of months ago officially called the season off. So since then, there's been talks around what the competition would look like next year, whether the NEPA would go ahead at all. Obviously, they've decided that they're going to combine the competition. So... Um, you know, we're sort of uh, non-committal at this stage. We need to get some more information around what the competition looks like for the uh, for the non-AFL clubs. Um, so until we really see a, a funding model, which probably includes the salary cap and, and also the travel costs, you know, we, we won't have a decision for, for another few weeks yet on, on what 2021 looks like for us. I would imagine, and I mentioned that you're a very strong and, and powerful club with an amazing, amazing setup that you have, but I, I would imagine travel costs is something that you don't have to factor into your footy budget uh, year in, year out. I'd imagine that could be a stumbling block. Well, we haven't so far. Obviously, playing in the NEFL since 2011, we've been, uh, those costs have been covered by yeah. the AFL, so... We've been able to fly to Darwin, Canberra, wherever we've needed to go, and that's been covered. But, 
if that's not going to be the case in the new VFL, well, that's certainly something that the board will have to decide on as to whether they want to uh, whether they want to proceed or whether we want to play locally in the QAFL. What would be the benefit from your club's point of view and, and other clubs within the NEFL? To play in the VFL? Yeah. Well, I think it's more about the pathway to the, for the youngsters in Queensland. So if you, if you don't get drafted as a as an 18-year-old, you've still got, um, you know, Redland, Astley and Southport you can go to to sort of uh, show your wares and, and try and get yourself picked up as a mature age draftee. But if those options are no longer there, what we'll find is that there'll be a drain on talent out of Queensland and they'll all be, uh, all the good kids will be moving to uh, Victoria or South Australia to play footy. If you were to go ahead with it, and I understand that these are a lot of the things that you'd be tossing around within your own meetings, if you were to go ahead, would you need to bolster up recruiting or would you be pretty confident with the squad you've already got? Oh, look, we were really disappointed this year. We managed to play in grand finals in 2018 and 2019 and we thought we had just as strong a list this year and we didn't get to see them play a game, unfortunately. Yeah. But look, we'll try and retain as many as we can. But you know, with the, the way that the grounds are in Melbourne, it's, it's a bit, uh, bit, bit smaller and, and possibly a bit wetter. Uh, we, might, we might need to get a few more inside types. So that's something we'll look at uh, if and when the decision's made. Jared, footy being in Queensland this year, I would imagine you've got your finger on your pulse at, at community level. I'd imagine it's been a game chaser, hasn't it? Even just to spark interest. Yeah, well, look, the game's going really well. Obviously, the NEFL w- was called off, but the QAFL's going going great guns. Um, the women are playing, the kids are playing. We're really lucky up here. It's been fairly normal. And obviously, a lot of the AFL players have been exposed to what life is like um, on the Gold Coast and Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast. So if the AFL does decide to... Uh, you know, reduce the list sizes. I'm sure there'll be some blokes that'll be interested all of a sudden in coming to having a kick, uh, having a kick at a Queensland-based club. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, as I let you go, have you been given any sort of date when you need to decide by? No, we've the AFL have indicated that we'll sit down with them in the next couple of weeks. So we're we're still a bit away from making a decision, but we'd like to have everything sort of tied up by the end of September. So as the local comps finishing. You know, we know whether we're uh, whether we're heading to the VFL or we're heading to the QAFL. So, um, yeah, we for our players, the, the sooner the better that we, we know which direction we're heading in. A lot to work through, no doubt. Jared, thanks for joining us off the top of the show tonight. Really appreciate it. No problem, Jack. Cheers. Jared Fields, the football manager of the Southport Sharks. So, as you can hear there, it's not an absolute certainty from their point of view. And we thought it would be good to go to Southport tonight, and that's with respect to, to Aspley and Redland and... Um, some of the other teams involved in the NEFL. But Southport, if you've ever been to their complex, it's incredible. Um, It's got everything that you would possibly need and more. They're a very well-connected club within the community. So I thought if anyone was going to do this, uh, it would be Southport. And even there you can hear that non-committal straight away. I sat down and had a very good look at this structure and the way that it may look. And as you just heard there, it's not all thrashed out as yet. It's not a hundred percent locked in the way that it's going to look, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I know that there'll be all of you listening tonight on SENSA and SEN Mount Gambia who have the SANFL. Your competition is locked in solidified. It's a powerhouse and, and it's not going anywhere. Likewise for the waffle, uh, for those listening in the West. Um, but for those on the Eastern seaboard, it will change things for good and for bad. one 736 736 to join me on the Harcourts open line for all things real estate, speak to Harcourts, or 0433 98 11 16. Based on what you may have read, what you may have heard, even just that interview there with Jared, 
Do you like the way that it's headed? Can you see a direction? Can you see what AFL Victoria and the AFL by extension are trying to do? Or do you have your doubts? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 it out today. To me, there'll be some AFL clubs that just simply will not be able to afford this. So, so much of the VFL in the last 10 years has been about teams either having their own team or working towards having one. And you look at... Richmond is an example. Collingwood in recent years as well. They will sing the praises of having their own reserves team all day long because it allows you to coach the same way. It allows you to structure the same way. You can monitor your player so you can send him back to the, the seconds to, to try and get a kick was the old saying, but you can send him back to the seconds with a purpose and you can get him to play the way that you want him to play in the position that you want him to play. So there's a lot of benefits from the elite level. Uh, What it may do is it may, and I say may, it may help some of the standalone clubs who may be looking at this right now and wondering what they're going to do and and will they survive through this? Will there be a spot for them? Well, there may be by linking up with an AFL team. There's some funding, some chop-outs that they can share in terms of costs and sponsorships, et cetera, et cetera. So that may be a positive out of it. And I think AFL-listed players draw crowds. I know I'm a... Mornington Peninsula boy and Frankston were, were a big part of, of my footy life growing up. And I would always try and find a way to go if I knew that there was uh, AFL listed players playing. So whether it was a, an AFL team who had their own seconds, comp, seconds team in the comp or there were alignments and you knew, you know, back in the day, North Melbourne guys were lined up with Werribee and you, you may have known that a player was coming back from injury or had been dropped and you thought, yeah, I want to go and have a look at that. Plus, there's also the, the youngsters on their way through. You want to go and get a look at them as well. It could become a really sharp competition. We could be in a situation here where we are getting some of the very, very best players from up and down the eastern seaboard playing in the one competition. So there's some positives. The other question I have about this, and then I'll get stuck into your calls, will the VFL reserves competition return so we haven't had it was it's been called the development league for the last couple of seasons and then there was none will it return in this new proposed competition in 2021 because if you start splashing afl listed players through in in an alignment sense that's even less opportunities for guys to get a go at state league level if you've got 11 or 12 listed players that must play and make no mistake they will play But if you've got 11 or 12 that must play, that's 11 or 12 less opportunities potentially for someone to be playing at state league level. And if there's no seconds competition, it's back to local footy. So there's positives there, but the opportunities to be picked up. And for those that are pursuing their dreams are minimized again. My last point on this, if we're going to go all in here and we're going to spend the money and there'll be talk of, uh, there'll be talk of the AFL helping to fund the travel costs, et cetera, et cetera, which they will need to do, as you just heard there from Jared Fields. Let's get these games back as curtain raisers. Let's really go the whole hog. Let's get interest in this competition from the start. Let's make it mean something. And let's get as many of these games being played before AFL games as possible. You want to give it the best chance of succeeding The best chance is to put it right in front of footy fans. And to do that, as many of these, not all of them, it won't be possible for all games, but let's get them played before AFL games. Tony's in Belfield. Tony, welcome. G'day, Jack. I just want to back you up on a point you made before about how much the Tigers and Collingwood would love having their own VFL team. 
if you remember back in the early 2000s, I think Geelong were one of the only AFL teams that had a VFL affiliated team. And look how that turned out for them in 2007 to 2011. Well, there was the premiership year, Tony, and you may know, and you, you may correct me, I can't think of the year off the top of my head, where they had Ablett, Kelly, Johnson, Bartell, Dave Johnson. They all played in the one VFL premiership, and then, of course, we know what happened after that. That's right. That was 2002, and they yep. did the same thing in 2007 in the VFL, as well as winning the AFL in 2007. Yeah. The, the benefits are there, Tony. How would you feel about it? Would you go along, or would you go to a game early if you knew that there was a VFL game on? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, old school. I am. I think that's. Uh, I think that's the key to this. If we're going to do this and we're going to take this big step, let's get it on. Let's get footy fans to have a look at it, rather than hope that one or two games a week are broadcast on TV and maybe we get some live stream options as well. Take it to the fans. It's a secondary part to this. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you knew it was on, would you go along? If the game was, the AFL game was scheduled to start at 1.45, but you knew at 10.30, 11 o'clock, there was a VFL game on, would you go and check it out? More of your calls, more of your texts after this here on Time On. A reminder as well, the Bulldogs, they won the VFL Premiership in 2014. Two years later, guess what? They go on to play the AFL Premiership and win that as well. There's logic and there's a pathway there that works. We'll get stuck into your calls after this. You're with Jack Everett on Time On. I think we showed again that we're more than capable, but a few things didn't go our way. Uh, we didn't take our chances, but I don't think anyone should be under any illusion that we want to win footy games. That's, that's what we're here to do, and, and we proved that we were um, close tonight uh, and again last week, but um, at, the, at this point, we're just not good enough. That was Reece Shaw talking after last night's loss for the Kangaroos. Thought he had a look on his face last night on the bench. They panned to him on the host broadcast, and... It looked like reality had really, really set in. That this team were a fair way off the mark and it was going to take a very, very big rebuild coming their way. And you'd expect that's what it's going to look like for the Kangaroos in the off-season. And they might be a team who may need to look at some sort of alignment back like they used to do a while ago. And maybe just the cost of having their own VFL team at something that's priced at the best part of $650,000, $700,000 a year to do. Maybe it's too expensive. Maybe they will look for a state league partnership with a team going forward. It's what we're talking about off the top of the show tonight. Harcourt's open line is all yours for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's. It looks as though we're going to get a combined competition next year with the NEFL and the VFL coming together. It'll be an Eastern Seaboard State League. How does that make you feel as a footy fan? You're a bit worried that your team might be losing a possible advantage that they had with having their own reserves team. Like this one uh, off the text, Andrew from the Gold Coast says, if Richmond didn't have their VFL team, they would not have won either of their premierships. Townsend and Graham are great examples of players who came through the system and took the step up. So there's that to be factored in as well. The secondary part, I'd love to know, if you knew that a VFL game was on, would you go earlier? Would you turn up earlier, get to the ground at 11, 11.30, instead of you know getting there at sort of 1 for a 1.45 start? Would you go? Would you watch? Because to me, if we're going to do this and we're going to scrap two leagues and turn them into one, we've got to give it a chance to succeed. And the best way to do that is to put it in front of footy fans. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to join me on the phone. Damien's in Geelong. Hi, Damien. G'day, Jack. Lovely show. Just a couple of things, I think. 
I think Victorian footy has to get uh, itself in order before we go interstate. I think we've got 10 TAC Cup clubs. We can actually have 10 uh, former VFA clubs aligned to 10 AFL reserve clubs into the 10 AFL clubs in Victoria and use that pathway and open up a, a system where you can actually rookie rookie out of that pathway in season. So anybody who's in that alignment of your AFL reserves or, or the old VFL clubs, so it, you keep the attraction in that system um, and keep that pathway in Victoria going before we go into state. So you think we could have a system? So we had a mid-year draft last year, Damien, where players got called up and you look at someone like John Noble, who's a good example and has kept his spot in the Collingwood team. You're saying that if Collingwood had an alignment and had their own reserves team at any stage, Nathan Buckley last year could have plucked uh, John Noble out if, he's, if he was part of their reserves team. Correct. And if so, Collingwood was aligned to Coburg, who was aligned to the Calder Cannons. Yeah. So the Calder Cannon kids that don't get drafted then go up through Coburg, Collingwood reserves. So in season, they can actually come out of Coburg, play Collingwood reserves. In season, they can get rookie that Collingwood got hit with enough injuries. And in season, um, you, you've got a four-club alignment from Calder Cannons, Coburg, Collingwood Reserves, Collingwood, 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10. So there's an alignment of 10 clubs in each of the grades um, that, that you go up and down in Victorian football and we look after Victorian football. Gee, I'll tell you what, my, you've got my mind going at 1,000 miles an hour, Damien. Thank you for your call. Some points very, very well made. And I know John Noble wasn't the best example because he came out of the SANFL. But what I'm saying there is that if, to Damien's suggestion, you had your own VFL team and you could be like North Melbourne is another example who have had a lot of injuries, they could call players out of their VFL team or their, their reserves team at any stage. And then likewise, there is a system in the VFL where TAC or NAB League players, as they're known as now, can go and play in the VFLs, the, the 23rd man. And that's a really, really good opportunity. And I've often found that when we cover the draft, it can be a good gauge of youngsters coming through to say, well, yeah, they played five or six games in the VFL against mature bodies and they handled it really well. Or you can say, oh, they probably, they probably need to have two or three years in the gym before they'll be ready for that. So there's some real positives to that too. Damien, it's a very, very good suggestion. Appreciate your call. You made a lot of sense. I quite like that on the Harcourts open line. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. This has invoked a lot of passion off the text. We're already well and truly above 100 texts. Um, agree curtain raises are good for all where possible. The rest just play on local grounds. As I say, not every single game is going to be able to have it happen. And uh, if the SANFL stay the way they are, well, that'd be a great chance for the SANFL. If Port Adelaide had a home game at the Adelaide Oval, well, they should have the same opportunity in, in a waffle game. West Coast or Fremantle, their feeder team should have the same opportunity as well. But it won't always work that way. Uh, off the text, important to save the standalone clubs, not an AFL takeover, but an alignment. It's sad when a club is taken over like the Carlton-Preston alignment. Maintain the identity of the state league clubs supported by the AFL club. I, I am hearing some movement around Preston and potentially some sort of rebirth of the Preston name, which would be great. Yeah, you wonder whether... That's the way that it can be done. If it's not the AFL, so use North Melbourne as an example who have already said it's going to be pretty unlikely that they can afford it. So you wonder whether North Melbourne say, well, the name doesn't mean that much to us now and perhaps the, the name of IE a Preston or something similar is far more important. That'd be nice. That'd be a good touch, wouldn't it? Be a really, really good touch.
Peter off the text says one word, yes. I too go to Frankston games, especially when North Melbourne players are playing. I would love to see more of this. Scott says, being an old Fitzroy supporter, I'd love to be able to go and watch the Lions play in Melbourne more often. I'm pumped for it. Plus a better standard, which would help our young kids coming through. There's benefits there for the Queensland teams. Um, the NEFL is nowhere near as strong as what the VFL has been. So from a, a Queensland footy point of view, and to that point, that the Suns and the Lions and the Swans and also the Giants, their reserves teams are going to be playing better footy. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, this one as well, I totally agree. And scrap this garbage where the ground must be cleared 90 minutes prior, meaning any curtain raiser must be finished by, example, 12.30 for a 2.10 senior start. Um this was part of the logic of this was that the clubs were given the game day activation space and said, you can do whatever you want. You can, you can have motorbikes on the ground. You can have jumping castles. You can have the old hovercraft that Carlton used to have. You can do whatever you want. So that was part of it to my understanding is that they were allocated the 90 minutes before the game, but not many clubs do anything exciting before a game. You turn up and the venue's cold and stale and, there's not much doing. Maybe every so often there's a corporate footy game where a bunch of tubby blokes win the opportunity to play a game of footy on a ground that makes no sense and is not in the slightest bit interesting. Stephen Mentone says, what will the league be called? I've been seeing that it may be labelled as the VFL still. Uh, is this the case? Yeah, it's possible. It's. I, I think it's probably more likely from what I'm hearing that it will be a VFL name, but I don't think that's been fully decided as well. Steve also says that being a Frankston boy, uh, that I would know all about the new broadcast quality lights that have been installed. Would love some Friday night games on seven, mate, to get ratings. I'm not sure if seven would put it up against their own AFL game, but why couldn't you play a Monday night game? Why couldn't you play a, I don't know, why couldn't you play a Wednesday night game? It's, they're not going to draw enormous um, crowds anyway. Imagine that. Imagine if if you knew that every Monday night there'd be a, a, a state league game, a NEFL game, or it's not going to be called the NEFL, but the VFL. I, wouldn't, I don't think it would draw hundreds and hundreds of thousands of viewers, but it would draw a few, I reckon. It, it's another one that's maybe worth thinking about. Uh, and the NEFL competition has been travelling weekly for New, from New South Wales, Queensland, the Northern Territory for years already. Plus, don't forget the Tassie Devils did this for a number of seasons during the 2000s. So the proof... In the pudding is already there. This one as well. The Gold Coast and Southport alignment makes sense. Could be a powerhouse in the VFL. And would love to see a Sydney Reserves team compete as South Melbourne and the Brisbane Reserves team compete as Fitzroy. I wouldn't rule any of this out. It's a blank canvas, which is exciting in many ways. But at the same time, I just reckon it's... We're only going to get one chance to get this right, so let's try and get it right. I know I'm banging on about the curtain raises idea, but I think it could work. More of your calls, more of your texts very shortly, but we'll talk boxing up next. Ben Damon from Main Event to join us. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on with Jack Everett. It's probably the easiest I've ever made it, actually, so I'm feeling nice and comfortable. If you had to rate your last four weeks now, in terms of preparation, how do you rate it? Perfect. Jeff Horn says it's perfect. I wonder whether perfect is what he needs to be tomorrow night when he takes on Tim Zoo to find out who is the number one man in Australian boxing. One thing we can rely on is that Ben Damon will be calling all of the action for main event, and he joins us tonight here on Time On. Ben, welcome back to SEN. 
Yeah, we can't wait for this fight. We've been waiting so long now, haven't we? Because mm. it's been rescheduled. Um, yeah, we've we've had to get the uh, the venue announced originally, and now we head off to this big fight in Townsville to find, as you said, who is number one in Australian boxing. Because whoever wins this fight, they're at the very top of the tree. No doubt about that. Uh, this has been. I know that when we have big fights in Australia and around the world, the build up is is pretty full on, and there's a lot of trash talking and all that sort of stuff, but. It feels like an area that we don't normally see Jeff Horn stray into too often. He's often been the ringleader when it's come to the barbs. Yeah, he's pretty happy to. Um, a couple of the press conferences that I've hosted through the course of this, uh, this he, he's um, been happy to pick up the ball and run with it a little yeah. bit. I think what we've noticed here is that um, Jeff Horn thinks that Tim Zoo's a little bit big for his boots. He thinks he's ahead of his station at this stage of his career. He thinks that he should be respected more, but Tim Zoo's not that kind of guy. He's so confident. He was born to do this. His dad, Kostra, of course, was an absolute legend. And uh, Tim Zoo um, has that confidence, which Jeff Horn probably sees as arrogance. So he's been more than willing to try and put him back in his place with a few things that he said. Um, he still maintained his professionalism throughout this Jeff Horn, and he always does. But, uh, yeah, Zoo's very happy to, to see if he can rattle uh, Jeff Horn with any of the things that he's been saying with any of these barbs. And it has been building right up. And, um, obviously, they went at each other again today at the weigh-in with a, a controversy, uh, whether it's uh, a significant one or not. But Glenn Rushton unhappy with some yes. of the judges that have um, been selected and uh, whether they have a preference towards Tim Zoo or see him having an advantage in this fight. So he's made a few things pretty clear but what he has done is put those judges on notice and uh hopefully we don't see any dramas out the back of that i thought the other thing from today i watched the video and then yesterday even in the build-up and they've been within each other a couple of times now is that the size difference i know jeff's been really big on, on pumping that up and saying that he's going to be too big and that he'll ragdoll tim when you see them next to each other it is pretty noticeable isn't it yeah, it is. Uh, Tim Zhu is so cut at the moment. He, he looks like a man for the first time this time around. He's been growing, obviously, because he's only 25. He's been getting bigger and training a lot harder for this fight. So he looks in fantastic condition. But you're right, Jeff Horn looks the bigger man. He came in a little bit heavier, half a kilo, in fact. But what he will do is bulk right up through the course of the night. You'd think when they get to centre ring tomorrow night around 9.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, that it will be Jeff Horn who is the bigger of these two men. I spoke to him only an hour or so ago, and, uh, yeah, he's had a couple of meals since. He had a spaghetti bolognese, <laughs> some peanut butter toast, um, some nuts and all sorts of things. So I uh, did the electrolytes and the fluids straight after the weigh-in, but now he's really trying to bulk up. Tim Zhu taking it a little bit easier. He'll have a bigger meal later on tonight. But, um, yeah, they'll both bulk back up, but I'd, I'd imagine that... Um, We'll see Horn around that 74, 75 kilogram mark and Tim Zoo probably a couple of kilos less. Is this the biggest test for Tim so far? We've been so impressed with everything that he's achieved up until this point, but is this another jump up? Oh, most certainly. He's fighting against a former world champion and yeah. a man who does this for fun. He likes it when he's covered in his blood and you're covered in yours and he's got half his face hanging off and you're going through these ladder rounds, throwing your souls at each other. That's what Jeff Horn is made of. Tim Zoo hasn't had to do that yet. He's been too classy, too slick. He's relied on his ability and his natural ability to use his distance and keep it on the end of his punches. And he's got through relatively unscathed in his professional career so far. But now, in his 16th professional fight at just 25 years of age he goes in there with the 
big name of Australian boxing and a man who beat up Manny Pacquiao once as well. So, yeah, yeah it's a huge step up. We get to see whether Tim Zhu is the real deal because if he gets through this fight against Jeff Horn, then he has world titles written all over him. I was going to ask you that. If he can get the decision to go his way tomorrow night, is it overseas from here on in for Tim? Oh, no, he'll be uh, developed as a star here in Australia. That's the way you want to do it. You want to maintain your uh, audience and your crowd and your support here. You want to be a pay-per-view fighter in your home country, and you want to be able to dabble internationally as well. Potentially, he can have some fights overseas. There's a lot of interest in him fighting in the USA, obviously. They'd love to have him in the UK. There's some huge promoters doing big things there. His dad would love to take him to Russia for a couple of big fights, but he's got a huge fan base here, and he can make uh, a a real presence presence for himself in Australia as well. So, yeah, there's a, a world of opportunity for Tim Zhu if he wins this fight. He'd be undefeated at 25, and he would have just beaten a, a world, a former world champion in front of the world as well, because this has been beamed right around the world, this fight. So, uh, yeah, there's huge things in store. Possibly a world title shot next for whoever wins, and uh, that'll be what the promoters are trying to do. But, gee, first of all, they've got to get through a really tough test against each other tomorrow night. And, Ben, the last question on this fight... Does it seem as though it's rejuvenated Jeff in a way? He, again, we come back to the size that he's spoken about that he's put on, but he looks super fit, and he's been criticised in, in the last couple of fights for maybe not being in his optimum fitness level. Do you feel like he's really up for this now? Yeah, I think what has really helped is the delay for this fight because he got to have a little glimpse of what retirement might look like. He's been adamant throughout, Jeff Horn, that he wants to retire at age 35. He's 32 right now. And with that little break in between when everyone was locked down and uh, they were in Queensland as well, uh, having to be locked up at home and uh, not doing his usual training and his usual routine. And I think Jeff Horn went, I'm not ready for this. I think I've got a few more years left in me, certainly until that 35. So, yeah, he's been... uh, rejuvenated no doubt last year we saw him against Michael Zarafa twice fighting at middleweight it's not his natural weight he didn't look as good on the scales he's gone back down so about three kilos uh, less this time around for this uh, super welterweight fight so yeah he's fresher he's hungrier and he has uh, yeah that sort of intent that we saw when he was fighting the Matty Pacquiao's mm. and and having that uh, climb up the rankings that he had years ago so yeah I think we're going to see the very best of Jeff Horn in this fight tomorrow night. Oh. I look forward to this one immensely. It's got a big fight feel about it, and you'll be able to watch it all on Fox and Main Event. Ben, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Can't wait to call this fight. It's going to be a special one, I think. And you're going to call it very well. Ben Damon joining us here on SEN. That fight tomorrow night in North Queensland. Lee off the text says, Horn will make this a war, not a fight. Well, I think you've only got to listen to Ben there to, to know that Tim Zhu's going to rely on class. He's silky. He's got a beautiful technique. Jeff Horn will just try and get this in as close as he possibly can. And the size difference was noticeable. I I flagged that in our chat just then, and I really, really thought it it meant something today. But, yeah, I think from Jeff Horn's point of view, it won't be pretty. He won't want it to be pretty. He'll want it to be in tight, and he'll want to hit hard and probably try and finish it early as well. All of that tomorrow night on Main Event. More of your calls, more of your texts on the other side of this. 0433 98 11 16. Well, you can join me on the Harcourts open line, one 736 736 For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts.
Welcome back to Time On here on SEN. It's been a very, very busy show, no doubt about it, but we're not done with yet. Let's check in with Barry Lester as we do every week. Baz has partnered with Apia, who are proudly supporting Bowls Australia to encourage the community to get, set, go to perfect their lawn bowl skills with techniques and trade secrets to encourage living a healthier lifestyle. And Baz, as I say good evening to you, I like the theme of this week's video, Train Like a Winner. Yeah, don't we all want to try and be a winner, mate? And it, uh, <laughs> definitely starts, it definitely starts in your training. So, yeah, this one was just a, a really good tip on what uh, a lot of people do experience. They get into a bit of a tough battle in a game and they start to probably fear about the result too much than the process. And we put a simple theory in place called the RIP theory about uh, routine, intelligence and productivity and just a, something that can sort of stay in the forefront of their mind when times get tough because it's a question I get asked a lot. I'm not, I'm not saying that I always win the tough games or the close games, but if you have some form of game plan or strategy when you do get to that situation, you can try and implement it. And I suppose, and you've you know, played at the absolute highest level and competed in Commonwealth Games and World Championships, et cetera, but even at local level, Baz, you, sometimes in, in a tight situation, you need that sort of almost that, that muscle memory and that mind memory to take over. 100%. Yeah, there's a lot of bowlers out there across the years at club level that there might be a title that eludes them and it might be because they've got to that real uh, tight uh, finish where it might be 23 all or 24 all and, and they just haven't been able to finish off the game. They've been good enough to win it but just couldn't play maybe the shots when it mattered. So they go in with a bit of a, a plan, a bit of a theory, maybe play a certain length, um, make sure they sort of stick to playing patient and, and making the right decisions uh, having that plan is super important. So routine is everything. You know, I look at sports mm. like um, cricket, you know, the fast bowl, they step out, they run up, they do that day in, day out, bowl after bowl, over after over. And, and as bowlers, we're quite routinists. But I'm very fortunate. My mother-in-law, she actually competed uh, at the Commonwealth Games in 10-metre uh, platform diving. I did so, not know that. So, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and, and you look at diving, it's all routine, all structure pre you know splash uh, hitting the water so um i like to look at other sports that way look at their routines and i think routine is a big one when it comes to uh the tight end of the game yeah agree absolutely baz as always great to catch up with you great to pick your brain as well and get some of these insights with thanks to apia you can watch the content at the apia good life hub all of baz's videos are absolutely superb we're all about possibilities talk to our dedicated specialist today on 13 50 50 we'll check in next week great man Thanks very much, Jack. Let's catch up on some of the stuff from across the day that you may have missed here on SEN. Let's start with, of course, the news that I must have missed as well that's building up across the afternoon, and that is that Usain Bolt has contracted coronavirus. Police are investigating his 34th birthday party from a few days ago. Uh, Bolt is not symptomatic but is now in isolation. I saw the video of Usain Bolt having a party. Just didn't realise that he'd put himself at risk of getting corona. So there you go. We'll keep you across that one for the remainder of the evening as well. 0433 98 11 16. We've been talking about State League and what that all looks like. Rowdy from Park Orchards wants to talk about tomorrow night's fight between Jeff Horn and Tim Zhu. Uh, says, I'd love Jeff to get up and take the win over Tim. He deserves it. On another note, I'm worried about my bombers. Lots of injuries, which has cost us a bit of consistency over the last five weeks. I think that they have the will and the want to win, but just missing the backup players to take the place of our injured players. Love the show. Stay safe. Good on you, uh, Rowdy, in Park Orchards. This one as well, 
Why is no one putting any pressure on Essendon to perform better than what they are? Absolutely not a, a word on it at any stage. Well, here's Matthew Lloyd, a legend of the Essendon Football Club, talking last night on Footy Classified. Smith, but now myself, they, they've gone past the point of can they win one? So now after all that and bringing players into the club, I really hope that they hold on to draft picks now because I think it's about getting good players into the club. So Surely they couldn't be back in the rebuild. Well, uh, not, fu- not fully, Hutchie, but I think that uh, that's, I sort of don't see a premiership next year. They're starting with a new coach. So I don't want to be, they... be seeing more players bought into this footy club. Well, I think you're either one of two things, in my view, in footy. You're either trying to win it or you're rebuilding. Um, and, I, and when I say that, you're in the... You're in the right space to win the premiership or you're not and you're building to be in that right space. To me, the last thing you ever want to be in footy or any sport for that matter is in between to be a middle of the road team that isn't winning a premiership anytime soon, but at the same time isn't building to try and win one. The Bombers are a lot further away from a premiership than perhaps what I thought they were at the start of the year. And I would dare I say what they thought they were at the start of the year as well. I didn't think they'd win the 2020 premiership, but um, their last five weeks, loss, loss, draw, loss, loss. And you can say that the Giants game was a close one. They lost by four points. Um, I didn't think, even though it was a 12-point margin against Richmond on the weekend, I didn't feel like they were ever really going to win the game at any stage. Um, Richmond just did enough without being spectacular themselves, but but just did enough to win it. Yeah, the Bombers, I agree with Matthew Lloyd 150%. They need to go to the draft. They need to get some young quality into this team to complement some of the young players that they've already got that have developed. Andrew McGrath's had a fabulous season and he's developing. Uh, Cal Toomey from afl.com.au reporting that Jordan Ridley looks set to re-sign in the next couple of weeks as well, which is good news because he's been a breakout star for them in 2020. But... What does their forward line look like? What's Joe Danaher doing? I think the Bombers now are, are within their rights to almost force a decision out of Joe one way or the other. Um, it's pretty likely he's not going to play again this year. So just be up front. Are you staying or are you going? And if you're going, that's fine. We'll start to talk to clubs and we'll try and facilitate a deal that suits us to get it right. But rather than dance around this for another six or seven weeks and then finals and then we go to a trade period and then we still don't know what you're doing, just work it out now. Just decide, are you with us or not? And if you're going, that's fine. But let's start to get busy and, and let's do a deal rather than mess about and waste even more time. News coming through from the tribunal. Daniel Cherney from Fairfax Media reporting uh, that Sam Powell Pepper is free to play. The jury is not satisfied that Powell Pepper was unreasonable uh, and that he will be playing. Next up is Luke Dalhouse. So we find out more and we'll keep you across that throughout the night as well, whether Luke Dalhouse can beat his charge and play for the Cats uh, on the weekend. I thought he was quite good in his first game back from a foot injury. I thought he had a a pretty decent role in the game. Luke Hodge has been an absolutely superb addition to the SEN team here in 2020. Talk about recruits. I thought he spoke really well today on staging. A lot of players, especially these days, they they listen to what, their teammates saying their coaches, if the coaches crack down on it and say, look, we don't want you to do that again because it looks bad for us, it looks bad for our side and we might not start getting free kicks because you're starting to flop, then a player will change. If, if, a media, if the media come out and say it a little bit here and there, I don't think it's going to affect them that much. Uh, but every, everyone's different and I guess it's, as, as, we've, as we've spoken about, as players are listening more and more to the media than what they used to. Luke Hodge talking to Jared Waitley today. You can listen to that chat in full, sen.com.au, and however you consume and however you download your podcast. Um, 
I think the other part to that too is that, as Hodgie just says there, if the free kick isn't being paid because the umpire thinks in his mind or her mind that the player was staging, it won't take long to fix it. So how do you how do you get past that? We well, just don't pay the free kick in the first place. So it backs up what Hodgie's saying. And now all of a sudden we've got a situation where you've played for it, it won't look good, the coach won't be happy because you didn't get the free kick and it might iron it out sooner rather than later. Been a really, really, really busy hour. Thanks to everyone for being with us. Tomorrow night it sets up for a massive fight in Australian boxing. Jeff Horn versus Tim Zhu. A-League finals tomorrow night as well. An all-Victorian clash. How exciting. The boys will be all over that a little bit later on on Talking City. Suncorp Super Netball. West Coast Fever far too good for Collingwood. 71 to 57. The end result in that game as well. Stick around. Brett Phillips, the voice of tennis in this country. He's up next with the first serve on SEN. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.